fact, I said it before and I'll say it again. That scene, that last scene. What does it mean? I'm the dude, you know? Get the fuck out of here. No, no, I cannot. That final scene starts now. Hi, hi, hi. Welcome or welcome back to that final scene. My name is Sophie and I'll be your host for the next hour or so. As always, I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Ben and Simon. Hello. Hello. How are we doing? Good. I'm very tired. Oh, no. (laughs) You need to tell us all about your severe jet lag yes yeah i just can't, i just got back from new york um and how, I, that's how really can you tell when someone's been to new they tell you that why they tell you, yeah, <laughs> there you go. um so yeah. i think you need some sort of sound effect here like in new york yeah just some um <laughs> what's your what, new york theme music yeah like the t- what that jazzy sax from taxi driver you know uh yeah just got back from new york which was amazing it was a lot of fun so went to a basketball game and saw chris rock and kevin bacon which was cool um, but didn't see. I was really. Were they holding hands? No, no. disappointed me not. They were sitting next to one another. And Nicholas Holt there, who at one point I didn't think they were actually going to put on camera, and then they put him in like this little montage at the end, which I felt really bad for him because I was like, "Oh, it's Nicholas Holt! Like everybody should be. They should put him on the screens as well." And then right at the end of the game, he got like, "And who else is here?" I was like, "Oh, come on!" Aww. Do you think someone was scrabbling around during the match to like cut together? Some, yeah, some edit genuinely, I think they're probably like, "Who the fuck is that guy?" Hang on, hang on, hang. On. Oh shit, about a boy, and then you know. <laughs> But and I they gave like... him a loaf of bread to throw into <laughs> yeah, the basketball. Yeah, exactly, to throw throw into the hoop from center court. But yeah, I was re- I, in a way I was kind of disappointed because I was walking around New York going like, I'm going to see all these famous people. And then you don't see any famous people. Everybody talks about like seeing famous people on the street in New York and I didn't see a single one. I think... You saw I plenty think, in one yeah, go. Well, I mean, I saw plenty <laughs> from like a hundred feet away. Right. Like, <laughs> I saw them on a jumbotron, yeah. and then I think I think I'm almost ninety nine percent certain I saw a guy from Euphoria run past us in the park, huh. or not sorry, not Euphoria, uh, White Lotus. Oh, um, season from two? season two, yeah, the kind of the tech guy who's always running in oh. the show as well. So Aubrey that made, Plaza's, yeah, uh, Aubrey w- Plaza's yeah, was good. Has, yeah, so that yeah. made me think, oh, he's always running in the show. That's why I recognise him because he ran past me. Nice. Um, it wasn't Tom Cruise's film run? <laughs> <laughs> God, I love Tom Cruise's film run. But no, and uh, yeah, some, I mean, this is a good segue into what I watched, obviously, a seven and six hour flights. Um, oh, yeah. As, as as an incredibly anxious flyer, I don't know if anybody can relate to this. I'm very like, stop, start. I, I kind of like watch like TV shows on planes because I need to be able to like watch 10 minutes and then do something, go on my phone and then do something because I'm constantly just in fear of death. So I need to be distracting myself. I but I, uh, for some ridiculous reason, tried to watch Black Adam because they had it on the plane, <gasps> um, which so it's a superhero movie with The Rock in it that came out this year, this year, I think. <laughs> Simon's face. Or like end of last year. <laughs> and like, and do you know what? It should be good because Pierce Brosnan's in it. And everybody what? loves, yeah, Pierce oh, Brosnan's in it. we talked about the, yeah, 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 Brosnan we, effect, mm-hmm, the, the Brosnan effect. The Brosnan effect. And I got halfway through it and not even from... Is he fi- reprising his role of Stuart Dunmire? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. But just older and greyer um, and more wise. And halfway through it, and this wasn't even a me being anxious thing and needing to switch it off. This is how bad it was. I just turned it off. Yeah. I was like, yeah. this is so shit and so boring. I'd literally rather contemplate my own mortality on this plane. That's than exactly have to watch how the I felt when I was watching True Lies the other week. I was like, I can't take a second yeah. more of this. Yeah, honestly, I'd kind of wish the plane would just crash. I was like, if I have to watch the rest of this film, I'd rather be dead. It's so bad. The dialogue is so dreadful. And for like a superhero movie that like, at least with superhero movies, you get some, in, like, you know, every now and again, you'll get like an interesting action scene. Like even in Doctor Strange, which, you know, wasn't great. 
there's some interesting bits in it where there's like some action and blah, blah, blah. This was so boring. And even the action, it was just boring. It was just so dull. And like, it, yeah, it was dreadful. And I just turned it off and then watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine for the rest of the flight, which was great. Love it. And yeah, I was just so, yeah. You so just ne- you just need serotonin like throughout the flight. You don't, yeah, like yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't be putting yourself through that. Yeah, no, like it was. I was. But Ben has some chemical assistance on, on the flights. I do. Yeah, I diazepam <laughs> the shit out of myself. <laughs> so um, he's already not himself. I'm already dr- I'm already drugged up, and this film is still bad. Like that's <laughs> oh that should God. that should be that me that's me on a plane who's drugged up yeah. should be like this movie's fucking great. Like that should be I should be I should be like living my best life loving that film. But it was so bad. Mm-hmm. And so I had to turn it off. Yeah, it was just absolutely dreadful. I was genuinely surprised at how bad it was. I, if Put it this way, if I'd seen it in the cinema, I think I'd have walked out. That's how bad it was. But again, metal canisters, 30,000 feet in the sky. I can't walk out. I have to stay in the seat. The nearest thing to that I can do is go to the bathroom. What yeah. films have you guys ever walked out to in cinemas that you can remember? Silence. Yeah, I, the, think I, I think I've I think I've talked about this before. That's the, the, the Scorsese film. Scorsese film, but the which, Liam Neeson being a priest, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a three-hour like medit. It's Christian heavy, meditative. A bit like the whale. Yeah. Yes, but not like <laughs> not fatphobic. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's not a bad film in principle. It's just very long and. I was in the right mindset. It's like you have, I think you have to be religious or at least spiritual to an extent mm. to enjoy it. You're and on your own. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is it's like. It's harder to walk out of a film when you've gone with someone I've, else. Yeah. They have to be, they have to be willing to go with <laughs> yeah. you. No, yeah. I've also, I've also walked out with someone at London Film Festival last year. It was. Um, Joint I, decision. I, I don't even remember the name of the film. No, she just did a dine and dash on a date. She just left. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like a late, like it was like a late evening. Tinder catfish. Screening. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I wish I remember. I wish I remember the title of the film, but I also don't want to shame the filmmaker. But like, it was on my cup of tea. So, like, uh, the friend that I was um, sitting next to, he was like, he was kind of like, "Are you? How are you feeling?" I said. I'm very bored. Like me too. Okay. <laughs> so a mutual decision. Yeah, yeah. And and, and and then he was like, "But I feel bad, like because the filmmaking was in like oh, in the like- screen. Yeah, because because <laughs> he's at the door, being like, yeah, why are you? Why she are you presented leaving? her films. It was like, oh, that's oh, gonna God. be so awkward. It was the most awkward ten seconds of my life, but we had to because it was so yeah. painful. It was so painfully bad. Mm. I've walked out of two films, both sequels. Now that I think about it, I've walked out. Of, I walked out of Horrible Bosses too. <laughs> Great choice. Which was. <laughs> So unfunny. Like I, I don't I did not laugh once in I would say the 45 minutes that I sat through that film, and that is 40 minutes longer than it deserved. And I walked out of uh Angels and Demons, the Da Vinci Code oh sequel. Oh my god, yes. Tom Hanks. Yeah. Yeah. So bad. Ewan McGregor's a priest. Oh, just dreadful. I've subsequently good. watched it since. And it gets even weirder because then at one point Ewan McGregor jumps out of a helicopter. He's a priest who jumps out of a helicopter. <laughs> like it, <laughs> so it just gets so fucking stupid. Even um, though he's actually good in the, I feel like he's all. Like I feel like Ewan McGregor is probably the only good thing about yeah. the film. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then the rest is terrible. Have you walked out of anything, so? I think only with you. <laughs> oh, you what? You yes, you uh, you walked out of the Shape of Water. 
Yeah. yeah. But it wasn't because the film was bad. It was just too loud. Yeah. We were in like, we were in a cinema. Was it like Soho House or something, something like that? It was like a wanky media yeah. industry, like screening. It was like my first night out when we had started so working aggressively together. loud. <laughs> so sorry, apart from me not not being able to walk out of a plane, um, uh, what have you guys been watching? <laughs> I'm in a rewatching films period where I'm just rewatching films that, uh, mostly action films that I've seen ages ago and now I'm just like revisiting them. So Still doing your film a day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Going strong. The Raid. I saw The Raid oh, again. Oh, yeah, great it's movie. so good. But I haven't seen two and three, so I really need no, to. No, neither have I. So I'm curious to watch uh, these. I feel like I'm. this is what I'm doing. Like I'm in a action film franchise train right now, so I'm just rewatching the first ones, which is why I did like John Wick 1 and 2. Haven't seen third and fourth. Really excited about the fourth one. Mm. I'm hearing amazing things. And then, I mean, Edgar Wright, I did Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. And I haven't seen The World's End. I didn't have time to watch it in time for the episode. Like you haven't seen it at all? Ever, ever. Okay, interesting. Is The World's End uh, based on the pub in Finsbury Park called The World's End? Or is it just coincidence? Because I know a lot of the pubs in North London around where I live are in his films. Yeah, I think think that's... Is that the idea of that one? I don't know, but they are getting pissed at a pub. In, in, like isn't that the yeah. premise of the film and but then again then that's basically alien... that's the premise of Shaun of the Dead as well right that's true how do you survive the zombie apocalypse by getting pissed at the yeah. pub Edgar Wright's not got anything to do with space has he yes he's, he's yeah, really? he, yeah he directed that's how they all met yeah, yeah. Ah, right yeah. Okay, it all makes sense now I didn't know all these connections so how do you describe space it's yeah. like What's uh, about? quite quirky it's, yeah it's a guy in, is... and this girl in a house share it's space is yeah it's like so it's a com- it's a it's a it's comedy half hour yeah comedy like show. half hour of comedy show it was on channel four like the early noughties like late 90s early noughties and it's simon Pegg and jessica hines who are who mm. are roommates simon Pegg's best friend is nick frost <laughs> there's like an amazing like there's so many people in it that you'll recognize from so many different things there's like this character called tires in it who's like this northern irish actor who's been in loads of stuff and yeah it's basically just about kind of it's a little bit like surrealist. It's not yeah. like, it's not totally out there, but it's a, it's kind of. Goes off on random surreal tangents yeah. quite a lot, which are really enjoyable. So like there's a zombie episode and there's like a paint, like paintball episode, which is where you do see the, like the origins for ideas of like Shaun of the Dead and stuff. Right. And yeah, that's where they, that's where they all met. Yeah. There's actually, actually to not, obviously I wouldn't direct people away from our podcast, but there is a, Kevin Smith did a brilliant podcast where he did like 12 episodes where he it just every episode was interviewing a different director and he interviewed Edgar Wright for one of them and he talked about um, how they all met around space. And uh, I would urge people to go and listen to it. It's called Smoothie Makers, I think. And he only did like six or seven episodes and it's in front of a live audience. And Edgar Wright is just super interesting in it. And he talks about like going to film school and then meeting Simon Pegg. And I think he met Simon Pe- He met Simon Pegg, I think, on a show that he was doing with... Um, Matt Lucas and David Walliams, like back in the hmm. early noughties when all these guys used to well, kind of hang Little out. Britain or something? No, I think it was, it was called- Rock Profile? No, it was called like Mash and Peas or something like oh. that. It was like a comedy sketch show that I think they were like, that he was directing and they were, and then I think Simon Pegg was on it. It was around the time I think mm. Simon Pegg did like Brass Eye and stuff. If you can, if you can get your hands on Smoothie Makers, it's difficult now. I think it's behind like a paywall on Kevin mm-hmm. Smith's website, but- it's a really interesting interview, I would say. That's really cool. Mm. And I'm also going to check out space. Like it just, I don't know, like every single time I was anything from Edgar Wright, I'm just like loving it. Even though it, yeah. like even <clears throat> last night in Soho, it wasn't exactly my cup of tea. Like I loved the, 
I the, still haven't watched Last qu- Night in Soho. I, I do really want to watch it though. Yeah, I love the third quarters of it and then like the last act, I was kind of thrown off okay. by it. it but like, it's just incredible. Like, I don't know, I'm just having like, I'm so biased when it comes to, right? But like very quickly, like Son of the Dead, still like my, f- I mean, I haven't seen The World's End, but I think Son of the Dead is going to be my favorite. It's the best, yeah, yeah. Hot Fuzz, I'm not sure. I feel really? I, no, no. I love it. No, no. Um, when when it comes to okay. comparing with, I have a feeling that I'm going to love World's you End will. <laughs> because I love Alien. <laughs> I kind of, I like that kind of sci-fi aliens kind of um, comedy. World's End is like re really good until the end. I think I just I, it doesn't okay. really, it doesn't stay. I didn't think it's stuck the landing very well. Um, but it's still good though. Um, okay. Again, Pierce Brosnan. It's got the Brosnan factor in it. So really, what can you do? Yeah, after okay. Timothy Dalton and so that's Hot how Fuzz. so that's how you would rate them: Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, yeah. and World's End. Yeah, yeah. they get progressive, yeah. not progressively worse, because I still think Hot Fuzz is brilliant. Like I think it's I a, love it it's too. A, it's a fantastic film. Um, and yeah, I yeah I think Hot Fuzz is the first one I saw. I think I saw mm. Hot Fuzz first, and then I saw Shaun of the Dead. It's interesting. But yeah, Simon, what have you been watching? Um, well, I went to a rave on Saturday night. Nice. <laughs> Good start. And yeah. thus found myself watching, watching Father of the Bride on Sunday. Oh. <laughs> Which I thoroughly enjoyed. I mean, quality over quantity. That's what yeah. they say. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then I've watched Succession, the new. Yes. 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 Season one. But you've watched one and two. Yes. I've watched the second episode first thing in the morning today. <laughs> Literally with my breakfast and coffee and succession episode two. Shout out, shout out to Kieran Culkin who was also in Scott Pilgrim, which we're going to talk about later. And he's Father of the Bride. Who's the little boy in Father of the Bride? Because I thought it was Macaulay Culkin, but then when I watched it, well, Kieran Kieran Culkin's his Macaulay. Yeah, is it Kieran Culkin? Brother, I think could be. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it might be him. Um, I can I can look that up. Yeah, let's 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 check it. it. Um, but yeah, he very good in succession and also as. He's phenomenal. Like, I mean, every single one of them is phenomenal this season, but like I just watched mm. the second episode and I feel like it's going to get so interesting with Rome in particular, but. Rome yeah, is Kieran Culkin. Is it him? That's right. so funny. Nice, there you go. So like, it was obviously in my <coughs> psyche. Subconsciously, yeah. yeah. That's so funny. Thoughts, reactions? It was a pleasantly slow burn, actually. Because mm-hmm. I was yeah. a little bit like, oh, I wanted more like action and filth and whatever that succession does <laughs> but actually it was quite it was quite gentle and like it was like it's it's rebuilding momentum from the start again that's what because hbo the, does best mm. but then they've they've had a couple of like explosive starts pre have they had explosive starts previously have really uh, well i think the actually the third season yeah because the second one ended on that cliffhanger from kendall yeah so probably the first season of the third um Sorry, the first episode of the third season was probably like we started with we started with Logan's birthday again as well, which is how we started the first season, isn't it? Interesting. I really enjoyed the storyline around uh, Greg bringing his (laughs) Greg. Are we allowed to talk about it? Uh, Maybe don't give major spoilers, but like I think that's not the spoiler. Greg Greg brings his new girlfriend to Logan's. No way, Logan hates his birthdays. He's hating the birthday anyway. But Greg brings a random girl to the party, which is not the done thing. (laughs) No. And everyone's like, who's that? Why are you bringing a random into the party? That's so funny. And then the, he ends up having sex with her in one of the rooms. And Tom tells Greg that there's cameras in all the yeah. rooms. <laughs> the best. And, and, then, and then Greg feels that he has to apologize to Logan. Well, no, he spends he, the whole no, party. Tom, Tom to... tells him, he's like, you better, yeah. go, you better go and confess to him. Like, yeah, so, he, so, so Greg then 
just irritates the hell out of Logan trying yeah. to get him to one side to do the apology. <laughs> <laughs> the best the best line in the entire episode is that as a point later on when they're having this, I won't say why, but they're having like a crisis meeting during the party and Logan just goes, who wants to smell Greg's finger? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't like that. But I, I actually didn't like that line. <laughs> I thought that I thought that was just per, that was just Logan because that to was a quite a dark segment where where yeah, Logan they're all was making, making them all yeah. make him laugh and that was really well no they're all he, and but then yeah. he's just making he's just shitting on all of them yeah mm. we're doing what he does doing what he does best yeah, and then exactly. there's a story about Tom and Shiv's disintegrating relationship and that was actually quite sad because yeah. normally that's what that's what they do so well yeah, like they can double between comedy and like drama in like effortlessly it's, it's clever because their relationship is built on like steaming shit anyway yeah but to 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 carve out some feeling like that was really clever i thought i'll put my hands on the table i want tom to be the winner at the end of it all like tom is, <laughs> tom is hands down my favorite like he's the one who shoveled the most shit who's had to deal with everything <laughs> like i want yeah i want tom oh, to but win. he he's spineless though he's spine but he, uh, i don't know like I th- we, we we are gonna do like a finale episode yeah. four success but maybe I mean, we need Greg, to do like greg gets my vote but maybe we need to do really. Maybe oh, we need to do predictions. He's spineless as well. He's spineless as well. Yeah, fuck he that is. guy. Oh god, god. He's so moralist and like. Oh. I know, and I don't want any of the children to. Uh, I, don't know. I am. I'm. I'm almost Tim Brand Cox at this point. I mean, he's all. He, at least he's real. No. He's at manipulating he's real. even you. <laughs> I don't, no, I mean, I hate all of He's them. He's a dreadful I hate, guy. I hate all of, I don't, like, I want all of them to die. We just so. need sexy Alexander Skarsgård to swoop yeah. in and just Ooh, take it yeah, all. Which is, I'm which, on board. Yeah. What's, um, what's Kieran Culkin's character called again? Roman. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, Almost got his head the most screwed on in this new. Yeah, season. I guess yeah. He's, he was the one that was like moderating the other kids during this bidding war. He was like, "Guys, do you know how much a yeah. billion pounds is, or whatever?" He's the more he's the most empathetic one in a very adverse way. Also, I really enjoyed his bizarre relationship with the uh, COO lady, Jerry. Oh, with yeah. Jerry, yeah, <laughs> from season three. That was really funny. Episode one, I loved it. I mean, it's what I expected. Like, kind of gets me in the mood. Mm. I need to get back on track. But like, episode two is very interesting. What's this? It's a movie. No. No, I liked it. No. Can I say something? No. I don't get it. What don't you get about it? Let's move on to our community segment. This can be a quick one, but for this episode, with the help of our listeners, we wanted to give a shout out to local indie cinemas around the world. I don't like. I was talking to Ben earlier before we started tap- taping, but we are doing an episode on Edgar Wright, and he's the one like Hollywood director I've seen in like a bunch of local indie cinemas uh, in London over the past six years. I've seen him in picture houses. Uh, what, you mean you just sat next to him kind of thing? Not next to him, but I've seen him like, you know, pop in the cinema like a few times. I've, he always shows up at London Film Festival and Sundance Festival, like in picture house. I've seen him in, um, what's that? Uh, what's that? Prince Charles Cinema. That's the one a couple of times. <laughs> ben, are you okay? Yeah, just kick the table. Okay. Oh my God, <laughs> I'm so going. sorry. Ben's got no shoes on. So the Ben, ben any podcasts without shoes? <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> At least I don't go barefoot. That would be weird. Yeah. That would be oh, weird. Yeah, I'd like to see toes. <laughs> Continue. Oh, we don't want that. Uh, let's. Are you going barefoot to the cinema? Oh, oh dude. <laughs> Oh no. Okay. That's not going to make it to the end. Well, the the messages that we got from everyone are very sweet and many of them read like love letters to an extent. So like they really warm my heart. I'm going to read a few quickly, but Simon and Ben, please join me with a couple as well if you want. 
The first one, Take Care. They don't have an Instagram account, but just shout out to my tiny local cinema for playing Tar for just me, even though I was the only one who showed up for the screening. Wow. <laughs> that was what, very sweet. So you had sweet. the whole cinema to yourself. That's amazing. I mean, I've, That's pretty cool. I've definitely Incredible. had that post-pandemic a few yeah. times. Especially like in those showings like after 11 o'clock at night. Oh. Well, I used to be in. The, I used to go to the picture house cinema in Brighton to that one all the time, and often you'd be the only person in the room, and it's really cool. There's oh, something about being in the cinema on your own, just having that massive screen to yourself is yeah. so good. That's so good. I wouldn't show up as a girl like after 11 p.m. on a screening on my uh-huh. own, but like I've definitely done like 7 p.m. screenings on my own. Um, UK uh, Simon Simon Haynes, our latest guest, ah, said hi, Simon. the iconic Phoenix Cinema and Curzon Clifton 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 Clifton. Yeah. How do you spell it? C-L-E-V-E-D. Clevedon. Oh, Clevedon. Clevedon. Two of our oldest and most beautiful cinemas. And like both of them actually got back to him and thanked him in the comments. That was very sweet. Arizona, Harkins Theatres in Arizona. Best theatres around. Hello. Zurich, Art House Kinos, Riffraff Kino Bar, Houdini Kino Bar. <laughs> what does that mean? And these are names of like... It's a uh, disappearing cinema. It's a dip- <laughs> That's the one, yeah. Cine Athens in Athens, Georgia. Texas oh, Theater here in Dallas. Absolutely love this theater. We have LA, the Tarantino one, New Beverly for sure. Great lineups every month. Awesome community film lovers. The fact that Tarantino owns it and is uh, pres- preserving. Film history is a bonus. I would love to go to that one. That'd be so cool. I'm sure it looks amazing. Tarantino is like subversively splicing in extra frames here and there. Like uh, like Brad Pitt in, yeah. in Fight Club. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and another one I want to shout out is from India, Inox Movies. They're just a five-minute walk from where I stay. I can easily walk there and watch a film with no worries about running late. <laughs> Which is so relatable. I feel like and I feel like that's the beauty with local cinemas, that you don't have to like spend, you know, an hour it's or two. It's not an event to get It's there, an yeah. event, yeah. yeah. You just kind of pop in after work or something. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I, like, I did like the one person who would just say, who tagged their cinema and then just said, I would die for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's also relatable. <laughs> Which I mean, yeah, listen. Hey, come on, why not? Yeah. And the last one I wanted to call out uh, is from New York, AMC Lincoln Lincoln Square 13. It's got the third or second biggest IMAX. And it's mm, also ooh. a hotspot for actors and directors to come by. Um, the person who wrote the comment has met Jordan Peele and Kiki Palmer. In sure. theater, and also the coasters of Top Gun, it's a really great theater apparently. Oh, so cool. yeah, an interesting one for and the New Yorkers out there, or just like Ben, if you're planning to go yeah. to New York, in does that mean the screen is huge? Second or biggest be. IMAX in New York must be huge. Must be pretty big. Yeah. Have you not seen anything in IMAX before? Yeah, I watched something recently. Actually, I went to the Science Museum, and I watched a nature documentary on the IMAX and the Science Museum. Oh, oh dude, we should go to the BFI IMAX. Then. <gasps> I've we never been to that one. Oh, actually. dude, we should do it. What's been the best thing you've seen in IMAX? The la- I mean, the last thing I saw on IMAX was Tenet, and that was shite. Um, <laughs> I saw Star Trek Into Darkness, which people don't really rate, but I thought it was a really good Star Trek movie, and I saw that in IMAX in Canada, in the, mm. in the IMAX in Niagara Falls, which is a dump of a place. But mm. It's... Mm. Uh, <laughs> was horrid. Yeah, it's dreadful. But the movie was really good, and um, yeah, that... Wait, like, what we have listeners in Niagara, and we've just slated it. Listen, if, if you're living in Niagara, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you get horrible people like us coming on our buses, yeah. getting dropped off by the waterfall oh with our cameras. Yeah, to, to get on the Lady of the Mist. Does an IMAX make a bad film better? No. No. Does it make... But, no. but it's funny because like my last IMAX film was also a Nolan film, uh, Dunkirk. 
which ah, makes me think that okay. Nolan just sells IMAX very well. Well, see, <laughs> well, interestingly, so like I saw, I saw Tennis in IMAX in like the depths of COVID. I saw it like when Tennis came oh, out yeah. during that first wave, and we were all like, "Oh, we're going back to the cinema," yeah. I think, and blah, blah blah. It was just, it was, and it was just a kind of bizarre experience at mm-hmm. that time. But yeah, definitely didn't make the movie any better. It actually probably made it worse because. <laughs> Because because it was so because obviously with IMAX then you get bigger like it's bigger Dolby Atmos surround, it was so loud that I mean the movie some of the dialogue in it is indecipherable anyway to then just have the sound blasted yeah. at you yeah. like if you walked out of Shape of Water in a small cinema Dude. you would not have lasted. So, yeah, I just think it's weird when you're in, watching a film which I think is like supposed to be like really a pleasant experience and when it's as loud as a nightclub it's like when you're wincing it's hard. Yeah. yeah. I think it's yeah, not cool. Not if louder doesn't mean better in films. No, that no, is true. I, I don't think IMAX means like louder necessarily, but you have to be in the mood But that's for the it. thing, like, yeah. and, and it goes back to this, like the best cinemas, and I'd say a lot, like, obviously we can't, we don't know what those cinemas look like that people are posting about, but the best cinemas are like the smaller local ones mm-hmm. where there's probably like three screens. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. You know. And it's very intimate. When I was little, mm. there was this local town called Burgess Hill. Ooh. <laughs> I've and, heard of uh, Burgess Hill. That's, yeah. that's on, the, on the way to Brighton, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, Oh, it's called the Orion Cinema, I think. Oh, nice. And I think it had 15 or 20 seats. And I remember <laughs> being taken there with my sister to watch, I think we watched Home Alone 1 there. Mm. And it was the most exciting event ever to be taken oh, there. Yeah. And, and I remember thinking it was massive. Yeah. Like, it was this, this expansive audience. And then I went in there as an adult and it was like this horrid little flea pit. <laughs> I, think, I think that's the thing. Like cinemas are so big now that I am, I, I have more of an appreciation when you go to like, it's so mm-hmm. like the nearest cinema to me is like the picture house in Finsbury Park. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so when you go there and it's like 50, 60 seats or like a hundred seats and it's like, oh my God, it feels like it feels so small. Whereas mm. like you, obviously there's merit to it, but like there's sometimes when you walk into a movie screen and it's like a sea of seats. Yeah. And you're like, Did you know when we went to see, shit. Sophie, you and I went to see Matilda in, mm. in uh, the Odeon Megatron in Leicester Square, the huge screen. Oh yeah. It was so big. There was an echo, mm-hmm. which I found really yeah, weird. It's mad. Do you know my, lo- so my, like my local cinema at home is like an, is IMC, which is like the kind of like big chain of, and they, they redid their first screen to, it's called like IMC Galaxy now. Oh, what does IMC stand for? I think it's, like Irish multiplex cinemas or something. Uh, I think that's what it is. And uh, I, I just remember, it's just reminded me of when I saw Horrible Bosses 2 also. I think one of the reasons that we walked out of this was when they were renovating the cinema. So how, every now and again during the film, you'd hear, <laughs> <laughs> because directly above us, they're like drilling into, like, into the crowd. That hammer drill sound that sounds like a terrible fart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Okay, on that note, we need to take a quick break. And we'll be back with Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Oh, look, a message from our sponsor. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. Nah, yo, hold my poodle. Hey, yo, what's up? Y'all got a problem? Y'all want some of this? Without much further ado. Here we go again. We are back with Scott Pilgrim versus the world. The 2010 action comedy. Yes, God, it's that old. Yeah, it's so 13 years. Whew. That's crazy. It doesn't. It doesn't look like a 2010. No, film. it's aged really well. Yeah. yeah, it could have come out last year. Yeah, it's incredible. It's fresh. So, yeah. yeah. So directed by Edgar Wright and also based on the graphic novel series called Pilgrim by Brian Lee O'Malley. We like very weirdly we just got the news that there's gonna be an anime Netflix series produced by Netflix with the entire cast returning, which is it's cool. 
it's cool and also like it's it's a funny coincidence because we just announced Scott Pilgrim. Then two days later, what can I say? We're influencers, you know. We're influencers. <laughs> or Edgar Wright is actually listening to this podcast and he's not telling us. I'd love that, but I don't uh, think that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix have probably just thrown a shitload of money at him. That, that's true. We just for like really good time. But it did really badly though. That's the weird thing is that really? Scott Pilgrim yeah. didn't do well the first time around. Really? Like I think it's kind of considered like a cult classic because it, yeah. when it originally came out, I don't like it didn't make as much money as I think people thought it was going to. It made a lot more Was it more before DVD. Juno or after Juno? After. Juno was like yeah. 2007, I think. I mean, yeah, it feels like Juno paved the way for that, see, that actor. And Michael that, Sarah. Yeah, and yeah. that sort of, that, that uh, bloke being all like sensitive and still the star of the show kind of thing. Yeah, but it, I, I reckon it was very hard to Anti-hero. sell the video game angle. Well, so back then, well, and to go to go back to the to to not to hark on about the, the, that other podcast, but like one of the things that Edgar Wright talked about is that it was really hard to sell Michael Sarah apparently as like oh, an action. Yeah, hero. I was gonna say yeah, that he's like, like he, an antihero. Yeah, isn't he? well, no, as just like a guy who can do like fight scenes. Yeah, like apparently when they were doing the press for the movie, like they went on so many of these American shows like, yeah, man, oh, you've always been a dork and you were like, mm. you're like a nerd in Arrested Development and then you were in mm. Juno and then I saw this movie and you're like, oh my God, this guy's a fucking action hero. And Edgar Wright made the point, it was like, he, of course he's an action hero. Like he's fucking, he can kick ass. Like, can you see it in the movie? But apparently that was a really hard thing to sell so to people. That's interesting because it's not your average, you know, seen it a million times before, mm. strong muscle person, like yeah. being the hero. Yeah, and it's very relatable because I never, I've not, I've only seen this film for the first time what, oh, for really? this show. Oh, cool. Okay, nice. But um, if I if I was a teenager watching that, I'd be like, oh my god, I can imagine myself yeah. like being able to be the superhero now. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean, before we get to the final scene and the ending, what are your thoughts on the like on the sound and like music at like editing? Really, like everything? really yeah. cool, I, really yeah. creative. The soundtrack is fucking brilliant. Yeah, uh, as always, all the Sex Bomb songs are amazing. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Garbage Love Truck, what yeah. a song! Yeah. So good. I would describe it as like the the wackiness is kind of earned. It's not like they're using gimmicks to kind of to to make a boring script fun it's like no. every single scene is really well earned and it has a reason to mm-hmm. exist yeah i think they did they did they worked really closely i think with the guy who wrote the comic books as well like mm. to kind of make sure he was like as involved as possible and did some of the artwork for the film as well and you can tell it has the awkwardness of like a comic book story in a way and like the editing which is like i don't think there's a single shot that lasts more than four or five seconds in the film and no, it, it, but it's it, not jarring though. No, that's the thing. Yeah. I, I feel like it almost kind of emulates a comic book page that you just fling, yeah, fling through. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. it's really well it's done. It's not like uh, like that infamous Bohemian Rhapsody scene where there's like thirty two <laughs> cuts in the space of a couple of or like however many Still cuts it is. See that. The reason why I think, well, for me, the reason why all of the superhero elements work really well is because. I, I kind of understood it as it, it, when you're a teenager, you do experience it. Everything is kind of a hyper reality. Mm. So it's almost metaphor. You know, it's kind of like of in your head, that's the stuff, all the fireworks are going off in your head yeah. and the film just let it happen on screen. But also you think, but it has like, it's, obviously Scott's supposed to be like 22, but like as a, as a, like a teenager, young adult, like dating someone, the evil exes is like yeah. a totally, totally a thing that you can imagine in your head as somebody doing like, like these people that you have to defeat, like the, yes. the, the what is it, the league or like the, that they keep calling them different words and stuff. It's fucking brilliant. I think I would have made it five evil exes. Really? I know seven sounds better, but I probably would have cut it down by yeah. two. 
A couple of them were very short, though. Like the fights were very yeah, short yeah. for a couple of them. Yeah, yeah, like the. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know who I'd cut. I, the one, the probably one you could cut is like the the DJ ones towards the end. But that's a great, like a really cool, like visual, mm. like almost like you know, like a like a Street Fighter type fight between the two, the two dragons and the big gorilla yeah. type thing. Yeah, I think they all have like their individual. Some are better than others, obviously. Like the first guy, really good when they fight at the Battle of the Bands and stuff. And oh, Chris that. Evans is just so good. <laughs> like that's that was when you for, I first kind of re, you realized I was like, oh, Chris Evans is probably best when he's playing an asshole. Yeah, you know. Cool. So a quick recap of the yeah. actual film. The story takes place in a fantastical version of Toronto where we have the 22-year-old basis of an indie band named Sex Bomb. The best, the best name in indie band history, probably. So you have Scott Pilgrim, Michael Cera, Falls 4, a delivery girl named Ramona Flowers, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. In order to win her heart, he must defeat her seven evil exes in a series of epic video game-style battles. Pretty straightforward, yeah. I li- and I like the simplicity of it. Like it doesn't overcomplicate it. Some people might not know that there actually there there mm, at least one more ending. Yes, this in is the what mix. I wanted to talk about the alternate yeah. ending. Yeah, and the alternate ending is where he ends up with knives. Mm-hmm. Actually, the the original love, girlfriend. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to to compare the two, but like, let's start with the original that one. That doesn't surprise me at all, you know, because yeah, I feel like that, that when I watched the ending, it was a complete toss up which way he'd go. It wasn't obvious at all that he would pick one really? or the other. Yeah. Okay. I guess just to dive straight into it. Interesting. I, I I know what you mean. And funny enough, watching it, I couldn't remember which one because I've, I've watched mm. the deleted scene of the alternate ending because they filmed it and did it and all. And I, going towards the end of the film, I was like, fuck, I can't, I can't remember which one he end, which one does he end up with in the movie? And I felt like him choosing not knives was more of a plot twist moment that gave yeah, it extra and, interest. But also, so it's so it's a it's a plot twist moment. But I actually I actually think for knives as a character, and her as like this one that you feel bad for at the end because he cheated on her. That's a much more empowering ending for her because she realizes, well, like he has treated me like shit, and I don't need to be like that. And actually, this whole thing has made me realize I'm a badass, and I don't have to be pissed off at all this stuff. I can like her last line to him is. I'm too cool for you anyway. Mm-hmm. I actually yeah. think that's a that's a much better ending for her than it is for like if Scott ends up with her, like he's out could of end, guilt or something. Yeah, or he could yeah. end up doing the same thing again and it just kind of feels like a And she she says to him, go and Yeah, get, she, she says she, go. She yeah. Says go yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh Edgar has Edgar Wright has said that they had to test screen both endings and the even though like it was like almost like a 50-50 split, like the one with Ramona ended up scoring a bit higher with audiences, which is really why they- Imagine if they'd released it in two versions and just it was random which cinema I love which that, I love that idea and the concept yeah. for that, like for many films actually. Even actually, like, even film like was, a for Who Done It is great as but well. But then you get into an I Am Legend situation now where they're That's making true. a sequel to I Am Legend and they're basically having to say, okay, the non-theatrical release version, the deleted scene version is the canon version now. So we can actually do a second film. Right. Well, I don't understand yeah. what's So basically con- at the end of, uh, spoiler for I Am Legend, if you haven't seen I Am Legend, the Will Smith film. Where, where everyone's Everyone's like zombies. Yeah, yeah, it's based on Omega Man, yeah. Um, <clears throat> if at the end of the movie, at the end of the theatrical release, Will Smith dies. He like blows himself up to kill the zombies and let the woman and her son escape. At the end of the 
uh, deleted scene release, which is only in the DVDs, he basically gives the, it's like gives the zombies some humanity. He gives the others, like the zombies is the wrong word, like the night walkers, whatever they're called, back to them and they leave. And it's like this thing of, they ha- oh, it kind of shows humanity in them and he lives. And now they're doing a sequel, I think, with Michael B. Jordan. And they're saying, okay, so the one that came out in cinemas, that's not the real ending. The real ending is the one that if you bought the DVD, which I did, <laughs> that's, that's the shameful. ending. And it is a better ending. I thought it was a better ending. I was really yeah. disappointed in 100%. the ending, actually. But what, I mean, but, you're going to be equally disappointed by the next Bond then, because... Like they're gonna have to have some, you know. Oh, he's came out of the flames and survived. No, or... it's not. Well, no, because that's it. That's it. It's a difference. There's a difference between a sequel and restarting. You know, this is a oh, direct okay. sequel to the film. But I get. I, I. I actually think that would be really interesting. Like an ending like that, where it could go either way. That's that would be a really cool thing to try and do. Like really, just release it, and every second cinema gets yeah. the alternate ending. Because mm. we don't get that with Netflix anymore. But, but do you not think with Scott Pilgrim, I actually was equally satisfied by the film either way so i would have enjoyed the film just as much i think i mean i, I didn't really enjoy the fact that he the way the way yeah, the ending i didn't worked, mind but. that he ended up with ramona even though it was the predictable like rom-com yeah. ending in a way like he, he got a girl he got a girl that's the kind of like yeah yeah because i guess the film had set it up that it was always really awkward with knives and it, it didn't gel yeah. together so therefore if he'd stayed with knives he wouldn't have actually got the girl and like everyone kind of wins in the ending that we get because of like knives is really empowered by like she's like i don't fucking need you like i was obsessed with you but i don't actually need you you know i'm a badass myself and i'm much cooler than you and ramona wins because she's not obviously controlled by what's it, a g-man as they call him jason schwartzman's character who's so good at playing a dick it's brilliant yeah. like he's so like just creepy but then she you know it's kind of a win for her as well and yeah, yeah. Even though, like, what I would say is that, you know, at some point in the film, she's like, she, she turns to Scott and she's like, you're going to end up the X number eight or something like that, which I feel yes. like, I don't know. I don't feel like it's going to end very well for them because maybe he has grown a bit. But he's I don't only 22. No, like, no, no, as in like, you know, in terms of like where this is going, I don't think it's going to go anywhere, that kind mm. of relationship. I feel like it's something very temporary and I think it's going to be here eighth X basically very soon. <laughs> he'll, be, he'll be the new member of the league. Maybe, yeah. yeah, but it's interesting because like, uh, if you remember the very last shot, they basically walk, uh, hold Towards, hands. Go and, to the door. To, yeah. And then obviously there's a lot of debate in terms of what that door is about. But like in plain terms, it kind of symbolizes, you know, the exit, you know, doors at any video game ever right like it mm. feels very much like that mm. it's not so, the north by northwest train thing <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not that <laughs> yeah but like i don't know like is there anything else that you thought of that when you saw them like just walking off to well, the sunset i in agree a way? with what you're saying because because she's so nonchalant with him oh 100 percent. it's almost like he's got to work for her attention and affection to get anything out of it so it's not the most two-way relationship it seems like it's yeah. 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 And, and he th- needs to overcome yeah. his neuroticism yeah. as well. Like he's quite, he has the whole thing with the hair, like constantly is, is his whole right. thing, isn't it? It's like your hair's looking a bit shaggy. What? <laughs> he always puts the hat on. And like, I had a dumb question. So does this mean that her sixth ex had to fight the other five as well? Is that how it works? Like, did it work? No, like, I think the whole thing is, is Gideon says that like, he puts the league together to stop anyone from ever dating Ramona. 
That's so his that, whole thing, so, isn't it? So he starts. So okay, so he started recently. It's not like every single yeah, ex of hers just joins the league. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's, okay. That's his whole thing. That's what Gideon says towards the end. He's like, you know how long that took me to put that get everyone together? Okay. It took two hours. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, that was um, that was was interesting because I was reading about the alternate ending and like the one thing that actually changed besides the fact that they ended up together. So like, it's a very similar scene throughout. It's just like. You have Ramona and Scott kind of like giving each other an awkward stare as in like, mm, this is not going to work out. Yeah. And then Scott goes back to Knives and they end up like the final scene is basically them playing like the Dance Dance Revolution game. Mm. But the only added change was that the in the scene where they tried to take out Gideon, you know how they have this black uh, black box information showing up on the screen where they kind of give the character information for his character. Oh, where like the voiceover comes in, which is Bill Hader, by no, the way. No, you know how like, they're like, Scott Pilgrim 23, that kind of black box oh, information yeah, yeah, showing yeah, up yeah, on the screen. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, at some point towards the end, when you have like um, Knives talk back at Gideon, I think, mm. you have a black box showing up saying, what's your name? Knives. Knives Chow. Yeah, 18. So she turned 18 before she got with Scott. And that's in the alternate ending. Oh, As in like, see, okay. see, see, uh, that's the whole thing. That's that too much detail. Yeah. I, I know, but like, it was like a literal coming of age kind of film. As in, I'm now 18, so I can I get know. together with Scott. It was funny. But it's better for her to be like, I'm now 18. I don't need Scott. Like that was like, it was almost like a, like a teenage crush and I can kick ass. I agree. Also, because like, because you suddenly change because you become 18. Yeah. No, no, no. I, no, I think if that's the angle you're going with. I mean, I, mean, I, I feel like until you're about 27, you're still about 18 in your head. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm no, just about to get there. Yeah. Not, <laughs> I'm not when you're a girl. Not when you're a girl. Oh, thank okay. you. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's true. <laughs> but I, 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 I also, I think we can't take away from the, the fact that the final scene starts with Obviously, he's defeated all the seven evil exes. And yeah. then it gives you, like, the one person Scott has to defeat is himself and he has to fight Nega Scott. He's like, yeah, he's actually really We've good. agreed to meet yeah, up. We're gonna yeah. go get, we're, we're actually going to go get brunch tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think I just, I that's really so nice good. It's yeah. so clever. Because I, I was like, at that epitome. point, I was like, I was worried I was going to get bored of that fight or whatever yeah, happened, because they, it didn't happen. Because yeah. they do the Gideon fight twice, obviously. Mm. They, they do it again. He gets, like, he gets another like, life oh, back. Oh, don't do this. Scott gains the power of self-respect, which is brilliant. Epitome of self growth, like you're befriending your shadow self. Yeah, like it makes sense. It does. And you know what? And that scene alone, it's like that's like perfect. That's why Michael Sarah is just so perfect at that as well. Like in that he's just so believable and so brilliant at that. Like of course, of course, this character ends up just (laughs) shoot shoot. That was was like yeah, we just shot the shit, and you know we actually got a lot in common. Yeah, (laughs) so clever. I love it. Yeah. A bonus trivia is that Edgar Wright was actually contemplating about a different version that was never shot, and that is very dark. Basically, that in that version, the whole film is a dream. So he went oh. down the Nolan route. But Edgar Wright told them the idea was to shoot at least a news report saying a local teen has killed seven people. Basically, Pilgrim Jeez. is revealed to be a serial killer. <laughs> Wait, who's revealed to be a serial killer? Pilgrim, like oh, Scott, right. is, is revealed to be a serial killer who more realistically murdered Ramona's exes and right. then dreamed up a video game inspired alternative version on in his on his head. Wow, 
I love I mean, that. I kind in, of like, it's always it, funny. That's kind of the same film, but it's just- No, but he actually- In his defense, yeah. Chris Evans grinds that rail of his own volition because exactly. he goes oh, into- true. And the base guy gets arrested by the vegan police, so- That's true. It's pretty much yeah. there. It's pretty much there. They wanted to do like a reshoot to kind of add that news um, news report version, but they had like six hours to work with. Which but. I have actually just just talking about the Brandon Routh vegan bass player. <laughs> That's I so feel funny. like that this movie is great because it's 2010 and they're making fun of vegans back then and now it's kind of what that's like the mm. holiday of like you're you know the way they say you're only using like 10 yes. percent of your brain it's because the 90 percent is like full of fats or whatever it is <laughs> like kind of feel like that's something someone would say yeah <laughs> going back to what you said earlier sophie though about the focus groups ending mm-hmm. does that mean that the only thing the agenda that they had was to maximize revenue. So the ending was it picked was, because they'd make more money. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah. It was a studio version, which is what happened with I Am Legend as well. Yeah. Yeah. How much of the script is like that where the studio goes, oh, no, this scene here, we're changing that, we're changing this, we're changing that. Like, the ending depends. Yeah, but like the endings can pretty much change up until the very last yeah. like month of shooting. I know he co-wrote the script himself, but mm. at the same time, yeah, it looks like he had at least three endings in his head that he was working with. But like that's, but, but studios will like interfere Constantly, oh yeah, of course. The so like the are that, they looking for the most like satisfying ending or like the, the profitable? The most yeah, profitable. The most profitable yeah. And I that's I don't I don't really agree with test screenings. I think if it, I think if a director has a vision for a film, you don't you shouldn't need test screenings. Like let them end the film the way they want. Now listen, if the director wants to do it, if that's a situation mm-hmm. where Edgar Wright was like, actually, do you know, I'd like to know what people think, and I'd mm. like to. But then why not just do what you were saying? Just like you've well both, now with AI, where does it end? Like mm. you could just type in any variant of a film yeah. and have it mm. remixed mm. well you could you could fully do the wayne's world thing of like let's do the sad ending let's do the scooby-doo ending, I, let's do the happy ending. I want the ending that the director wants me to have because it's yeah, no, exactly piece, or that's her what piece I'm of art yeah but that's the thing they don't get to have the final say yeah so I'm like, time. i don't understand it's, who is who is this film <laughs> like it's it's films of so many different people aren't they there's yeah, so many influences. which is why there's no like sole ownership of anything unless you're tarantino probably you have you have exclusive right or Nolan, you have almost exclusive rights to your work. Like Edgar Wright wasn't, he was established by then, but he wasn't like- Do you think anyone like when Bernardo Bertolucci was making The Dreamers was like, oh mate, we got to change this ending. I doubt he'd be like, oh yeah, okay. Well, I I guess it it depends because that's the thing when when you- like when you go to the bigger studios, that you're kind of agreeing that that's what's going to happen. Like Edgar Wright was supposed to do Ant Man as well, but they had created differences. But in in that At regard, time, he left. Yeah, he, like yeah, he walked out when he made when he was making Scott Pilgrim. He was writing the Ant Man script. Yeah, for Marvel. Yeah, and then he just he was like they had creative differences and he left. Mm-hmm. But you hear it all the time about like studios mm-hmm. where they interfere so much that the directors are just like fuck this, fuck this film, fuck all you people. Yeah. I hate you all. Like I was reading about the guy who was it Josh Trank who made Fantastic Four. Now, Fantastic Four was a dreadful film. I don't necessarily know if it would have been good anyway. And he made, um, what's that other one? Chronicle, which I didn't, I really didn't like Chronicle. But um, it, there was so much interference in the studio. He's just like a fucking, like, it's not my, it's not my film. Like, mm-hmm. I directed it, but it's not my fucking film. And the guy who made Robocop said the same. They got this, uh, I think he was a Brazilian director who'd made some cool movies. And then he came in and was like, after the film, he was like, I am never making a movie for a studio again. Because mm. that was the fucking worst Same with worst uh, The Running Man. Yeah, uh, where they had like they sacked 
uh, at least two directors. Yeah, and, it's, and, and, a lot, and it, nowadays, a lot of the time, it's because it's it's it seems to be a lot of like with action movies where they go, this needs to be PG thirteen, this needs to be mm. the most right. viewable thing, and guys like with the RoboCop one, I think the guy was just like. But this is RoboCop. Have you seen the original RoboCop? Yeah. Like it's violent, it's gory. Like mm. that's what this movie should be. And they were like, no, it needs to be PG thirteen because teenagers need to be able to see it. And you're like, well, what's the fucking point? Yeah. And at the end of the day, I feel like you know, if making a movie just like any other project, just a series like of being a writer compro- and having an editor and a publisher telling yeah, you, yeah, a series of yeah, compromises. And maybe like that was one fight he wasn't willing to. F- like maybe he won other battles that we don't mm. know. And at the end of the day, like his vision still shows and comes through throughout the film. So yeah. Maybe the fact that he was allowed to just, you know, show up like throughout the film. Like it really, like, I think that you, it really feels like his movie. Exactly, like, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't feel like there's a studio film. Of his, uh, himself yeah, in it. exactly. Yeah. And there's enough of his like style and mm-hmm. like, you know, his sensibility and his sense of humor in it that like it, it feels like his movie rather than being a studio film, which it can't at some points. Like, I've, I, but I think yeah. that's because... Yeah, it's hard to know. Like, I'd be interested to know, was the, you know, doing those test screenings towards the end, was that a studio saying we have to do this? Or mm-hmm. was that Edgar Wright also being, working with them being like, actually, yeah, let's mm-hmm. let's let's see what people think. And that, I mean, that raised a very interesting question. We can end with, with this um, in terms of like the Netflix anime series and where it's going to go, right? And are they going to like, what kind of ending are they going to go with? Uh, it sounds like they're very inspired by the gra- graphic novels. Yeah, because there's that a few went- graphic novels. There's not just the one that the movie's based off. Oh, I know that the, yeah, I know that the very fir- the very last edition of the novel was released after the movie, which is yeah. why like it takes a very different turn, mm. like more open ended. And is but, yeah. uh, is the is the anime going to be a? It's not. It's not. It's not like a remake of the film. I guess it's a continuation. No, I, is it? I think it's going to be more of an adaptation of the graphic novel. So okay. it's probably going to be more in, in that. But yeah, it's just curious because then you have Netflix, right? Who also have like a very strong editorial and creative point of view. So. Yeah. Be interesting to see how an anime version of that like shows up. Yeah, and like Netflix haven't done really well with some of that stuff in the past. Like they did Matilda. That. <laughs> yeah, and like you look at what they did, like Cowboy Bebop, which everybody really loved the oh, anime, yeah. and they made the live action, which a lot of people really didn't like. Yeah, and I heard that. It, it'll Good be interesting as well. Yeah, yeah. but it, I mean, I don't know. Such, a, such ca- a big cast. Yeah, and, too much good talent. Know, there's so much good talent in it, and Edgar. The fact that Edgar Wright is there helming it, you know. I don't know. Yeah. I think they're good. I'm optimistic. For it. I'm optimistic. I just don't watch that much anime. Yeah. I have to I have to watch it, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Cool. I think we solved the ending again. Yeah. That was really fun. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Cool. Thank you so much for listening. You're the true OGs out there. And yeah, I mean, with the Scott Pilgrim anime series coming out, this is the perfect time to share it with your friends or with, you know, on your stories. Please share the podcast episode with us. Uh, remind people how good this film is because it really is a gem or introduce someone new in any case thank you so much for listening we will be back in two weeks with our first Wes Anderson film and the Grand Budapest Hotel see you in two weeks bye did you like it? did you like that? did I like it? I loved it I I had no idea you could milk a cat I have nipples Greg could you milk me? good morning morning good morning oh and in case I don't see you Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.